Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the Caught Monologuing Trope. We have been sponsored by a lot of tropes here at Cinema Gush, but none so important as this one. Whereas other tropes are trying to sell you on a product, that's not the case with the people at Caught Monologuing. They want to sell you on peace of mind. See, Caught Monologuing is a service with one goal in mind. To keep you from being, well, Caught Monologuing. See, they understand people, and they know that, at least to some degree, every person is an egocentric, self-important mini-narcissist, whom, when given the opportunity, will talk the ears off an ear golem. They also understand that this is when you are at your most vulnerable. See, when you're distractedly busy talking about how great you are, you don't realize that this is giving your foe, be they pro-tag or anti-tag, one last chance to turn the tables. And if we've learned anything from our time at the movies, it's that anyone caught monologuing will have those tables turned. So how does the cotton monologuing team prevent this? It's simple, really. They install an array of microprocessors throughout your home, your base, or your layer. These microprocessors are connected to a sub-audio microphonic matrix that captures every latent compressional wave that emits from your body and, using a patented algorithm, analyzes the data to determine the level of distraction of the speaker and the attentiveness level of the listener, taking into the consideration the general opportunities present for table turning. This is where the brilliance of the cotton monologuing comes into play. If the table-turning opportunities are at a minimum, they let you continue with their narcissistic self-aggrandizing. But, if they suspect any chance and change of fortune, they will emit a loud blaring sound to shock you out of your complacency, followed by a quick message to alert you to the potential dangers your monologue has placed you in. Now, I personally use this service, and I can't tell you how many times I've had my fortunes turned because I couldn't stop talking about my life. It's really remarkable. For example, this one time, an entire college soccer team stumbled in my lair, like shortly before I was going to launch an ICBM. I had them all tied up and was telling them Hello, how to... Brendan? Uh, yes? This is Seth with your caught monologuing service. I noticed you were edging into a monologue. Well, I mean, I, I guess, but I didn't think that'd be any problem. I mean, it's a podcast. How could the tables turn here? Well, you see, we were worried that you may be boring your listeners... And think it would be best to wrap it up. Uh, okay. I, I, yep, I, well, yeah, so thank you. And there you have it, people. A prime example of cotton monologuing looking after your best interests. And now on with the show. Hey, guys. Welcome to Cinema Gush. We are excited to have you. Um, we are joined today, of course, with my co-host slash normal host slash let's talk about that some more, Nick Lishko. <laughs> And a delightful guest that we are super excited to have, Seth Coulter. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, man? I am doing outstanding. Thank You're you guys. Outstanding in your field. I am standing <laughs> out in a field. Glorious. Seth here is uh, an author. He's a writer. He's a doer of many, many wonderful things. And he's a heck of a good DM. GM. D- D- uh, crap. Dungeon Master? I, I think both would be right. Dungeon Master would be for Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, that's GM it. would be for General any Motors. other... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, General Motors. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but for a DM... This is something Seth that is I really excellent. am sad that we can't partake in together. We uh, should do that sometime. We'll figure that, that out. We'll get, we'll get you... Well... Yeah, how will we figure that out? <laughs> well, so t- today, uh, we're talking about a movie that I, this is a hot take that I know nobody's ever dropped, but um, we're talking about The Incredibles, oh. and I feel like I should say that uh, this movie is, you know, it's good. Like, like this movie's really good. Like, like the greatest movie. It's like it's, it's, it's so shockingly good. good. Yeah, I mean this this was the movie that like put Pixar on the map. Not forget Toy Story and a Bug's Life. It was The Incredibles. Dang it. Uh, Would you say it is? 
Incredible. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh, I did <laughs> oh, it. Amazing. Oh, okay, I can go home now. I, <laughs> this movie, like, there's so much to say, but why don't we just jump into this? Seth, can you yeah. gush about what do you like about this movie? T- tell us, just tell us what this movie is. What what's, what's the jam here going on? Yeah, man. All right, so Incredibles was Brad Bird's follow-up to The Iron Giant. Another amazing <sighs> film. So good. Uh, it is Pixar's first PG animated movie. Is it really? It is. I didn't know that. And oh. it's the first movie where the main characters are human. What? Oh. <laughs> is I guess your that is mind right. blown now or what? And we just started. Yeah. <laughs> so so it is, um, I remember it came out when I was in college. It was one of the few movies I went to twice in the theaters while in college because I was a cheapskate and would never go to movies twice. But this one was so worth it. I purchased it when it came out on DVD. I purchased it when it came out on Blu-ray. Um, pretty much always on this movie. This is my favorite movie of all time. If someone asks me, What's your favorite movie? I will respond immediately. What's your I favorite movie? Incredible. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Had to do it. So, so good. I mean, watching it the other night, this has got to be as damn near perfect a movie as can be made. Oh, my goodness. There's, yes. There's no slack anywhere in this film. Kind of like Joe said in The Stranger Than Fiction, there's not a wasted moment, scene, frame, line. Like, it all comes together. The characters both are wholly unique and yet wonderfully satisfied an amazing archetype. Yes. So, and so, so relatable, too. Like, they're, you know right. them. Exactly. And, and the beauty of it, like, you have, think of it, like, and I know this has been broken down all over. You have the Fantastic Four, who are kind of a direct comparison, mm-hmm. but everything mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four do, the Incredibles do it better. Yes. Because... Their Mm -hmm. powers themselves are saying something about who that character is and who what that archetype is. Yes. So like the dad is super strong. Why? Because the dad is the backbone of the family. He's holding all the family up. Uh, Elastigirl is super flexible. Why? Because your mom has to be everywhere at any given time. (laughs) Yeah. The teenage girl turns invisible and puts up barriers because teenage girls either want to be invisible or put up barriers. (laughs) And then you have a dash who is nonstop energy and you have Jack Jack who's limit unlimited potential. Nothing about potential. That's exactly what I thought for Jack Jack too. Yeah. Yeah. I never put that together. It's so Again, incredible. It has to be. I mean, that the way the movie starts with that lovely like film footage, you're not quite sure what period you're in. And then I guess throughout the movie, like the aesthetic is really more towards 1950s. And then the trailer really has like that kind of um, very geometrically sound art style. Um, but I mean, right off the bat there, you get what's kind of, I don't know if it's duplicitous or the duality of it, but he talks about, like, sometimes I think about giving up the superhero thing, going out, raising a family. Last year, I was like, I don't think so. And then, in real life, it's the exact opposite. Like, he wants to keep going, I won't give it up, and she's ready to start the family. They both, so the beginning scene, it, it flips the desires. Mr. Incredible's very clear. He would like to settle down one day and have a family, and Elastigirl's like, no, I'm going to be doing this forever. And when they finally do settle down and are raising the family and he's stuck in a dead end job and she's being a mom, she's fulfilled and he's not. 
Mm -hmm. And there's that element of fulfillment is so strong throughout this movie. That idea that you need to be fulfilled by doing what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Um, The great line, in fact, one of the, I would argue, the most quotable line from the movie, uh, and when everyone's special... No one. No, <laughs> no one, one is. Yes. It's, it's so good because it, the idea here is, well, if everyone's special at everything, no one's really special at anything. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea here is they all need to find out what they all excel at, and they all do that during the course of the movie. And so you have these separate entities who all excel at different things and then obviously come together at the end of the movie and excel at the same thing for the same purpose. And then it is all tied up neatly with the fact that it's all about the family. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me, let me ask you guys this. Yeah. Okay, name five great dads in cinema. In cinema? Yeah. Name five. Hmm. Or let's just say, let's say in media. You can throw in TV shows too. Five great dads. Uh, Tim Controversial. Allen and Home Improvement. I act- <laughs> What'd you say? I said Tim Allen and Home Improvement. I, I mean, it's controversial, but I actually think Homer Simpson's a pretty damn good dad. Wow, I'm actually struggling with this question. Uh, movies. I was not prepared. <laughs> I, I will grant you Mufasa. There you go. One of the greatest dads of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's good. But I think the reason you guys are struggling, not just because I put you on the spot, even though I did, but because there isn't really that many. I think, uh, like, you have the dad from the road. Like, if if the movie is in of itself about fatherhood, you might have a really good dad. But if the movie isn't centered on that theme, generally, it's the lack of a father that forms the catalyst of the movie. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, Chevy sure, Chase, sure. vacation movies, but he's not great. Yeah, well, I, yeah, just, so, uh, that's why I didn't I mean, say it's it. hysterical. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's like Michael Scott as a dad, you know? Yeah, well, I would say Mr. Incredible is, well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, great father figure. Yeah, and but he's also a real father figure. Like, yes. that's the beauty of it. It's like... He's a dad at this dead-end job that he hates, and even there, he's trying to save the day, but then the bureaucracy just punches him, so you have this guy who's Mm -hmm. super strong, unable to do anything to this bureaucratic overlord. Except try to constantly give the customers the key to their own success, which is what he gets called to the office for, and And, and a great... I'm unhappy, Bob. Why? Ask me specifically, why are you unhappy? <laughs> he just, oh, uh, he beats you down. Um, I can't think of the guy's name in The Princess Bride, but his voice is perfect for that character. He's the Grand Negus in DS9. My He's also Rex you. in Toy Story. Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. Um, I will tell you, from a writing perspective, one of my favorite scenes right off the bat is they always tell you in writing, make your scenes, make sure you do double, triple, quadruple duty. Um, when they have their meetup to go bowling, you got Bob and Frozone together. They establish the bit about monologuing. So they plant that seed right in the beginning. Then they clue the audience into the fact that these superheroes, they know the own tropes of their own world. Then they're listening to the, pol- the police scanner, which Elastigirl later will say, were you listening to the police scanner again, implying that he's done this crap before. Then we get to the actual rescue. You get over the rules of Frozone. You get somewhat the rules of Bob and what they can and can't do. And when that, by them rescuing people leaving out to the building, oh, ends up being the jewelry store, and they look like robbers with the hats on. Like, 
There are so many layers in each scene in this movie like that one. I was just like, you have got to be kidding me how well, much they establish right off the bat. So you bring up, and we at Cinema Gush like to do our tropes and have fun with that. But when researching the monologuing and trope here, TV Tropes lists this as the most troped movie of all time. Really? And in, a, in certain regards, that can be a bad thing. But man, this is a movie that knows its tropes, knows how to subvert them. Knows how to turn them on their heads, and I and I love what you said. The characters know the tropes of their own world, right? They're not they're not passively being drawn along by just storytelling conventions. They are they are inhabiting this world that is real and lived in and has all these consequences. And it's it you can you feel like you can be in this world and it makes sense. Absolutely. Please continue. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's one of those beautiful things that, like, again, throughout the entire movie. Let's let's take a moment. The character arcs. Mm-hmm. Everyone's character arc is so amazing. Like, let's start from the youngest. First of all, you have Jack Jack, who you would assume doesn't have a character arc. Oh no, he actually does. <laughs> Here's this little kid who's powerless, and you're like, oh, I guess you know, he's there's nothing really special about him. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, oh no, he has all the powers. He's the most special. And so it's like he goes from being essentially just a generic damsel in distress yes. to at the very end of the movie, he's actually the one who takes down the villain. That's right. He takes down <laughs> Syndrome more than anyone else. And so all the parents do. Oh, can we just. Well, okay. He please. and the cape. And the cape, of course. Which no is kiss. a great callback. Another great but, payback, payoff. But then you mm-hmm. have the, the parents uh, just save him. Like, they, they save their son, and that in turn, you know, and the, the he, villain's arrogance is what really is his own downfall. Mm-hmm. Which, again, sure. beautiful. So we then move up. You have Dash. So Dash wants to actually just do things. Like, that's, that's his character arc. I want to go do things. I can't do things. Mm-hmm. And so his parents are like, well, you can't do any things because, you know, and you're too powerful. You're too good at it. You, you put everyone to shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, Dash, to go from that to then his running sequence. And notice, during oh, yes. his running sequence, he's not perfect at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He falls and... Uh, fails several times while he's starting to learn to use his superpowers. But in this one amazing sequence, you get to ride along with him on the joys of discovering I'm good at something. Yeah, and that mm, encouragement. Yeah. That, that scene is on YouTube. I, I looked at it again today, and it had 31 million hits. Just the racing scene. And, I mean... I'm trying to think of some of the things that they say, like, right off the bat. Like, no, no, slow. Well, no, don't go too slow. Like, go for a second. Go for a second. Like, all the different crap that they yeah. say. So, and then the parents are, like, looking at him, like, what are you doing to your kid? <laughs> so funny. So, so Dash has a great arc. Jack-Jack has a great arc. Violet has a great arc. Yes. Violet starts off, and hers is visualized throughout the whole thing. She starts with the hair in front of her face. Mm-hmm. She's angry and bitter like a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she essentially... Uh, steps up into her mom's shoes and you Ah. see her mom is the one who like kind of encourages her to like step up the amazing hey do you remember bad guys on those saturday morning cartoons 
these guys are not like those guys. These guys will kill you. Mm. And like that realization that the mom is just real with her daughter for the first time, all of a sudden, what does Violet respond with? She puts her hair back, puts it in a part. Why? To get everything that's she blocking see clarity yeah. Yeah. out of her face. She has clarity now. Well, is it, it doesn't shy away from death. And I hate kids' movies that shy away from death. Kids know death's out there. And, and let's teach them how to deal with these tough concepts. And this movie does that in spades. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's de- it definitely earns that PG rating when you really think about it. Yeah. Well, the villains are dying constantly. It starts with a suicide. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's a good point. He saved a man who actually did not want to be saved. You didn't save me. You ruined my death. <laughs> But sorry, let's talk more about that later. I want to, so we got okay. Violet. I want to hear the so rest. So Violet, um, and then also one of my favorite lines in the movie that I feel is often overlooked, and it's it's like I don't understand how this line even got in there, but it is one of it's probably my favorite line in cinema. It's uttered by Violet, and uh, Dash is just kind of like moseying about the cave on Syndrome's Island. And uh, Violet just looks at him and he's like, what do you think's going on here? Mom and dad's lives could be in danger mm-hmm. or and worse. worse or worse their marriage. Right. That or we is pa- so potent. Me and the wife paused the movie and discussed that line for it's, a couple of minutes because I think it's such an important view of marriage from the eyes of kids. It, oh, I loved it. Yeah, because they the say all that, girl, yeah. Even yeah. the teenage girl, like, what's, what's, what's the worst thing you could do to Violet? Apparently, <laughs> not kill her parents, but have their marriage crumble. Yeah, or worse than that, detention. To all my Hermione fans out there, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, she so, has that great line about, like, normal, too. Like, you, you really get her established right off the bat where it's, um, you know, normal. What do you know about normal? What does anyone in this family know about normal? Like, they don't have that normal life. It's kind of, in a way, they're, they are forced to be not what they are, you know? But, but the beauty of it is that's every family. Yeah. Every family, mm. when you're sitting there, part of your family, you feel your family is so weird compared to everyone else. Yeah. And really, her sure. family is amazing. And at the end of it, Violet's arc is so good because her mom has been encouraging her to step up. She fails on the airplane. The airplane blows up. Yes. But it's Violet who saves them again all at the end with the force field. And then the mom turns to her and says... That's my girl. Yes. It's it's such a powerful moment. And so, like, Violet has this amazing character arc. And then we go to Elastigirl's character arc, which is just unbelievable. Like, so here you have her adjusting to common life. She thinks her husband is having an affair. Yep. Catches him. In a kid's movie. In a kid's movie. (laughs) Right? And so she goes flies an airplane, her kids sneak on, and she's going to confront her husband, who she thinks having an affair, mm-hmm. and she's, like, pulled back into hero business, and really, I feel the, the arc for her, you have this idea that um, she's never stopped being herself, ever mm. once, but mm-hmm. what she needs to do is be more of herself with her husband. Ah. And so... the. Again, one of my all-time favorite moments is... There's so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
when Mr. Incredible talks about what his weakness is, um, there's only one time in the entire movie he admits he's not strong enough. Mm-hmm. And, Such and a great moment. So yeah. good. So good. He says, I'm not strong enough. And she's like, what is this? A workout? You need to be stronger? He's like, yes, no. And he's confused. And it's like, because I'm not strong enough, I can't lose you again. Mm-hmm. I'm not strong enough. So here, you have Mr. Incredible's kryptonite is the thing he loves most. Yes. How amazing is that? So good. But also, I think they show you through the movie, too, that when he loses his family, his moral core starts to erode. And, and you realize how much that family makes him a better person. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the one moment where he turns and is like, oh, again, another great moment. He grabs Mirage and he's like, free me or I'll kill her. Because snap he's done. Snap her like a he's, twig. Yeah, snap her like a twig. I'll snap her like a toothpick. Yeah, toothpick, that's it, yeah. And, and, right. And so, like, he's just furious. And uh, Syndrome calls his bluff and he's about to do it. And then Mirage has a turn. Mm-hmm. And her turn comes with, again, just a dynamite line, which is uh, valuing life isn't weakness. Mm-hmm. And disregarding it isn't strength. And for her to tell that to a supervillain is such a wonderful thing that you buy her whole conversion. And it's great that you said supervillain because this is, I think, one of those great examples of a villain who doesn't think he's the bad guy. Yes. Sure. I don't think he thinks that he does. And I mean, you know, because as soon as he gets that little taste of the fame when he's flying around the city, it's like all of a sudden you can kind of see him almost like he would go that way. Like he could have been the good guy, but instead he went, he takes it even, he takes it so much more down a worse road. But again, he believes he is the good guy. And that's the strength of any good villain is they think they're doing the good thing, but nope. Well, it's also like, again, juxtaposing it as a foil to the Incredibles, Mm -hmm. his power, his ability is that he's an amazing inventor. Yes. Right? Like he's Iron Man if Iron Man went bad. Um, he's, He's this amazing inventor so like it's not just about you being special it's what you choose to do with the special thing that you have Mm -hmm. that's the real Mm. superpower and that's that's the beauty you see throughout the movie um so the whole everyone is special that the truth is it's it's kind of like back to ratatouille everyone can cook well well not everyone can cook but, but you have something special about you. You have a superpower. Mm-hmm. And if you truly embrace that, you're going to be more fulfilled. Absolutely. Uh, Ratatouille, also written by Brian, uh, Brad Bird. Yep. And directed by Brad Bird. That's right, yes. We, we, at later, we need to talk about how Brad Bird is one of the most underappreciated great directors of our time. But I, I think one of the things about Syndrome is that he has this gift, and he chooses to use it extremely selfishly. And I think you even see that arc through the characters to a degree. Mr. Incredible is missing something out and he, he's kind of he's selfishly hiding from his family this use of his gift instead of using it in a uh, joining uplifting way. And then Syndrome is taking his gift instead of making the world better. He's seeking his own fame and edification. Exactly. I don't, I don't know. I'm, no, yeah. Well, and, and you also even see Mr. Incredible starting to go down that line when Syndrome starts employing it. Right. 
Like, mm, he sure. starts to go and test those robots and uh, gets all this money. He buys the new car. Triple your annual salary. Like, 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 can we just take a moment of how great the scene is? He breaks his new car, his old car, mm-hmm. just by slipping on that skateboard. He's furious. He just got fired. He breaks the window. Uh, he's just <laughs> so upset. Then he goes, buys the new car. Which is the symbol of him, like, reliving his glory days. Yeah, yeah, midlife crisis, yep. And midlife crisis. And then what does he do with that car? He chucks it at Syndrome's airplane because he realizes his family's oh, more important. Oh, You're never geez. coming back. Like, like, so f- forget my glory days. The This is what's important, which is what... Mrs. Incredible called him out when he came back from the bowling alley. This is what you're missing. You're missing this. This mm-hmm. is the thing that's most important. Yep, and the kids were it's right the there hearing all business of life, that. right? That, yeah. Yep. Ah, it's good. I, I didn't notice that. Yep. Let's, let's appreciate Frozone for a second. So um, good. Samuel. You know, ladies are always trying to tell you their secret identity. They, <laughs> they always, they always are. And I appreciate <laughs> that guy because he has definitely accepted mostly the new life that he's in. I wanted to go bowling. But no, like, and, and so many great lines. I mean, the super suit, me, like, honey, where's my super suit? That meme is still around today and used frequently. And um, just a treasure. I, I loved Frozone. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, and yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. He's, he's what more can guy. you say? Truly. He's so good. Samuel uh, L. Yep. So he, you know, he gets, this, he gets a mission from Mirage. He defeats the first robot, you know, uh, gets... He gets back home, he's got the money, like, he has to keep that new secret on top of his, you know, the secret identity on top of a secret as well, and then he starts lifting weights, like, I love the pulleys with the trains for a mm-hmm. triceps extension, which, by the way, is a great workout if you have the time. Yeah. Um, it, highly recommend it. Trains are hard. Trains. Though. They are, they do weigh a lot. Yeah, but you can, you can start You gotta light. build up to yeah. that. You can do, like, a little Thomas Tank engine. Start with a box away. car, maybe. Yes. Box there children. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... And then uh, from there, you know, we eventually get to the harder and the harder robots, like any good video game. He just keeps leveling up and leveling up until he finally gets to that point where he can't defeat the one. Like, that's when Syndrome has finally cracked the code. Yep. And uh, you you see him for, you know, who he is as, like, Buddy. You know, the one from the fan club, which, another great line. I'm not associated with you. Like, the whole trademarking thing. And, oh, my gosh. So we get to that midpoint, and then that's when uh, we meet Edna Mole, who in the last episode we talked about Stranger Than Fiction, and there is a lady in there who looks exactly like her, so we brought that up to tease this Which episode. Which we also brought up while watching yep. that. Yep, and she made a, you know, she kind of knew it was coming. She didn't know necessarily that it was a secret from the wife, but she made all super suits for all the kids, and the baby one can withstand up to a thousand degrees, and it's also machine washable. What do you expect that's a the baby feature. to be doing? That's right. <laughs> yes. Edna is also Brad Bird. Right. Right. Yes. Right. I, yep. yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Doing so. a great job. Great job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, there are so many darn good moments in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It, well, the whole movie is just good moment after good moment. Like, and okay, so we let's get to the big one now, the protagonist character arc. So we covered every single family member's character arc. And we haven't even touched upon Mr. Incredible. That's right. Which which you kind of summed the whole movie. But, like, for him, you have this idea that this superhero goes and, like, is in the his prime. He's taken down not by a villain, but by something bureaucratic and mundane. Mm-hmm. He's taken down by mm-hmm. a lawsuit. So it is a lawsuit that prevents him from being super. Mm-hmm. And then the world is just like, no, we don't want you to be super anymore. We don't want you to be 
good and do great things. Yeah. And that is a beautiful element because it's like, well, he would always be the supervillain. But what what is the thing that actually takes down people? It's, well, to quote the Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man, they want to see a hero fall, fail. Yep. Right? It's true. Seeing him in that courtroom and... I had forgotten that the people who were on the train were also suing him with all their casts and arms and slings yeah. and the nervous police sketches while they're in the, or the, the courtroom sketches and the millions of dollars it costs and that the narrator being like, where are they now? They live among us. And it, it just gave me that X-Men kind of throwback and yep. feel. Um, and then him just being so burnout out on life. Yeah, and like, so relatable 15 years so later. So relatable 15... <laughs> well, and like, even him at the table just reading his paper, be like, kids, listen to your mother, or like, you know, like, uh-huh, yeah, you you do that when you talk, honey. Uh, and <laughs> you like, want me to intervene? <laughs> and like, he's such a just uh, humdrum dad who's burnt out, mm-hmm. and then once he starts doing what he's supposed to be doing, once he goes and finds ah, I have my outlet to do what I'm good at again, mm-hmm. that's when life starts getting better. Yeah. And they have that whole beautiful montage of it. Yeah. And that's what leads Mrs. Incredible to think, oh, man, cheating. Something's going on here. So good. Well, right. Because I, I don't think you, you want to excuse the fact that he was doing it secretly, though. No. Right? He wasn't well, no. involving his family. And, and, and so it's good. He found something he needed, but he didn't find it the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, well, well. That's the beauty of it. So he was doing it, but he wasn't doing it the right way, and that's yeah. an important yeah. theme. Like, because that's syndrome. Syndrome was going to be a hero, but not be a hero in the right way. He wasn't going to actually do the legwork, and and mm-hmm. all Mister Incredible did during that whole time, he didn't benefit society at all. In fact, he was harming it. By setting Syndrome up to become stronger. Yeah. It reminded right. me of um, Bruce Almighty, where the first time that Jim Carrey gets to be God, like, God's like, so what have you done with the powers? He's like, okay, so I help myself first a little bit. I'm like, that's Mr. Incredible. He's yep. helping himself first. Yes. And it's only in that when he gets caught and the family has to help free him, then he starts being more open to helping others than just himself again, how he used to be. When he thinks they're dead is yes. his huge breaking point. It's It snaps mm-hmm. him out of being a superhero and snaps him into, I have to, I've lost my family and that destroyed me. Yeah. I can never well, lose them again. It snaps with, him like a toothpick. Like a toothpick. What, one of my favorite lines has got to be when he's running with Elastigirl and she's angry with him and he says, you keep trying to pick a fight, but I'm just so happy you're alive. Yeah. And I feel like that that that's that turn in his mind that... Yes. I've been wrong here, and you want to fight about it, and you might even be right about it, but you know what? You're alive, and I can be a better man now. Well, well, even right before that, Mirage sets him free. He grabs her by the neck, and he's like, how could you possibly bring me any lower? And you could see him, that he's just about to like crush her uh, head because he's so broken, and then she says, your family is alive, and he drops her. And he realizes it, he picks her up and hugs her, and then Mrs. Incredible yeah. gets to punch her in the face. Like, it's so good. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so good. His turn is so complete, and it is 100% around his family. And I just want to go back to the moment, uh, like, the realization that his family is his kryptonite, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, it's his greatest strength. It's his son and his kryptonite. Yeah. Yep. It, like, that is... 
freaking amazing writer. How the heck? How the heck do you have someone's greatest strength also be their biggest weakness? Mm-hmm. It, it that's like really remarkably well done. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Then I mean. There's so much that we could gush about. I even want to talk about like the music, like the big band fanfare mm-hmm. stuff in the soundtrack. Um, I love the whole island sequence where Dash finally gets a chance to explore him, like running around and darting everywhere. Um, I, there's so much goodness. <laughs> I feel so, so much good. already. So much good. Uh, what else? What else? Well, my one critique would actually be that last scene with the the. Um, the fixer coming? No, or? before the underminer comes, That's it. you have uh, the scene where Dash joins track. It's like, um, and I, I've talked this over with other people, like, if you're going to have him do a sport, don't have him do track. Yeah. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, okay, like, I get it's the point. It's, it's a very clear point. Yeah. Like, it would yeah, be a little harder to do as cleanly with a different sport. You know, that just reminds me, one of the things I really loved about this movie was those typical family lines that they use. Like, when he's driving the RV, it's like, are we there yet? We'll get there when we get there. And then they argue about the best way to get to the robot, like in the financial district. Well, which action do I take? Traction Avenue. Valkyrie Downtown. I'll take 7th. Don't I? Don't take 7th. Great. We missed it. Like, all the little family banter throughout. So good. So good. So good. Brennan, do you have a favorite scene in the movie? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess the the beauty with a movie like this is it's really hard to pick one. I mean, there's not a bad moment. Which, uh, which again, I, speaks to it so well. Yeah. There, there's not yeah, a bad absolutely. moment in the whole movie. Everything, like you said, does triple duty. Mm-hmm. Everything does triple duty. Every scene does. Absolutely. That, but it's definitely I, hard to pick one. I, I do think we need to talk about Brad Bird, though, just for a minute. Because... That man has made some of the best content of the last two decades. Well, you've and I don't been think most loving people know who on those is. Mission Impossible movies recently, and he did. He does an amazing Mission? freaking Mission Impossible movie. I, in, in, in a lot of ways, Go revitalized it, made them fun again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best seasons of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, really? I, yep. That's where you guys started. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. maybe not started. I did not started. know yeah. that. He was big in The Simpsons. Huh. He, he produced some of the best episodes. Iron Directed Giant. a couple of really good ones too. Yep, the Iron Giant. So good. I I, don't, I hope you don't fault me. The Iron Giant is my favorite children's movie ever. I think this is easily his second best movie. Why, and why when is it I a say children's that, movie, Brendan? Animated movie. Okay, no, but that's that's a great point. That's actually the point I wanted to make. Is that he makes movies that kids can watch that do not talk down to them. Mm-mm. They do not uh, dismiss them. They teach them hard, difficult, complicated lessons. I, I think this man makes the best. I, I, I don't even know what words to use. The, the best movies for they're not children's movies. You're right. But the best movies that kids can watch. He's um, the guy who people say, oh, you know, it's one of those movies where they have jokes for the kids and the kids might laugh at, but it goes over their heads and the parents laugh harder. Like, that's who I think of when I think of But that's not the case here. No? See, uh, I was, no, so I was, uh, this is, this may be off topic, but I was, I have to, you guys read Tolkien's On Fairy Stories? No. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's been a while. Do you remember the part, Tolkien talks about how we tell kids fairy stories uh, not to teach them that dragons exist. Every kid knows that dragons exist. We teach them fairy stories to know that dragons can be killed. Yes. 
And I feel like he exemplifies this, that kids are not dumb. They're suffering. They know there's death and evil in the world. We're not here to teach them that that exists. We're teaching them that you can overcome it. And here's how. And I love that. I love that none of his movies shy away from the hard lessons. That's true. And like, again, I would say his two greatest movies are Incredibles and Iron Giant. Ratatouille is really really good Ratatouille's great I really yeah, love, I Ratatouille. love Ratatouille um, but I would say those two like the element of sacrificial love in those yeah. movies is just just amazing did you guys see Tomorrowland yeah no and that's the only Brad Bird movie I've not seen okay yeah I haven't it's seen coming it to Disney either. Plus in a couple of months I'm gonna watch it then there you go well, there you go what about so I almost hesitate to bring this up, but I have not seen Incredibles 2. What do you think? It's very good. It's not near perfect like this. It's it's like a made-for-TV movie. It's kind of hard to... I, said, I thought it was better than that. I, like, I think well, it's very like, good. It's just living up to a standard movies. hard to meet. <laughs> I, yeah, perfect is hard to beat. That's true. Yeah, it, it's just... I think there was there was... So, so you know how everything in this movie does, like, triple action? Mm-hmm. That does not exist in Incredibles. Okay. It is not, like, some stellar movie. It's more like, oh, you really like these elements? Let's put more of those elements back in. Okay. Um, I, I, I need to watch a it a couple more times. fall into that trap. Worth a watch, though? Yes, okay. it's worth a watch. I actually think there might be more meat there, but I don't know what... I, I didn't catch it. In my first viewing, I need to see it a couple more times. See it more meat to, in before what I form way? a firm opinion. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, like it's. I haven't seen it since theaters, so I want to watch it again because I felt like there's more stuff under the surface that I wasn't catching. Uh, there's more ties together, but well, so, I mean, so how many times have way. you seen the first Incredibles? Oh, probably over a hundred. Oh. Right, so you're making connections that most people would never have made. Yeah. That are definitely there on purpose. Yeah. Well, okay, I, let me... I feel like I need to give the second one more time to soak in, if so, that makes sense. So here's, here's the big difference. With Incredibles 1, at the end of the movie, every character had a character arc. Every character mm-hmm. has, is better person than who they were at the beginning. Mm-hmm. In Incredibles 2, that's not the case with anyone like they're not a better person than they were at the beginning sure i see what you're saying and so like that right there is the heavy hitting weight of the first incredibles so again it's not a bad movie um in fact if there's a a short that is paired with the incredibles called jack jack attack mm-hmm. i don't know if you of guys course. have both seen yeah, that. it's great hysterical it's like i the, always forget it's not in the movie honestly right so <laughs> so the Jack-Jack Attack, like, I feel they took that short, and they're like, this is going to be the center of Incredibles 2. So the best part of Incredibles 2 is, like, Jack-Jack being ridiculous and them having to deal with it, but it doesn't provide that in-depth, like, self-reflection of any of the characters to be like, oh, because of this, I need to be a better person, or, or... this is now how I'm going to view the world because of what I went through. Gotcha. But I guess I guess that's why I want to watch it more, because I think there might be some meat there to Mr. Incredible not being the center of attention, right? He's got to be the more domestic but, leader of the household. And 
But he doesn't necessarily have that dawning at the end. There's no like, oh, uh, being, maybe so. I being, don't remember honestly. Being the domestic leader of the household is just as heroic. Like if that was the message they could have got across, that would have been great. It didn't. It didn't hit it out of the park. It it just sure, kind of said. Sure. And it kind of even didn't say it. It's just like they just forgot, oh, yeah, that was our our theme. We were supposed to bring that back. Quick, go back to The Incredibles 1. Be happy. Did you see (laughs) that that boat crash into the city? That was pretty cool. I about to say I didn't see it yet, so we'll see. (laughs) Uh, But, well, is there anything else you want to say about Incredibles 1, then? Um... Or do you feel like you've written your doctoral I, thesis? I, I, gushing I feel about it? like, like I don't know. You could pick up any part. I gush about it. No capes. Uh, it probably Mirage's has... voice is one of my favorite voices ever in yeah. an animated movie. So good, so good. Um, the Boom comics are pretty good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. those uh, are pretty decent. Oh, really? The boy who's waiting for something amazing to happen. And his little bit oh, <laughs> That was totally wicked. wicked. <laughs> that was great. Does this mean we have to move again? Oh. And they laugh. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> the plane comes down. That was so so again, I think that really sums up the movie. You have the cause earlier he's like, What are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. <laughs> And I feel that's that's our life, you know, summed up in a nutshell. We're all waiting for something amazing, and then once the family comes together, that was totally wicked. Oh, I didn't even see it that way. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh. Brennan, you, any last thoughts? I think we gushed, man. A movie that's worthy of gushing on. Excellent. Well, then, Seth, I'll have you pick a number between 1 and 683. One in 683? So that is the number of people who worked on this movie. Six, I have 683 names. Um, three. Three? Three would be... Oh, come on. Okay. Three is I'll Holly Hunter. Oh. Who was Elastigirl. Yeah. Hey, that's worthy of talking about. You know what, you're I right. We often don't get to the actors. <laughs> um, Holly Hunter, she was in uh, Broadcast News... She was in The Big Sick, which came out a couple years ago. Um, she wasn't in Fargo. Who am I thinking? Batman v. Else? Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, my Lex gosh. Lex Luthor gave her a jar of, yeah. Granny's Peach Tea. Granny's Peach Tea. Well, let's oh, talk oh, about a near perfect oh, movie. Oh, she was, uh, that's a great movie. That's she one of those great. movies I saw three times in, like, one week. Yeah. My senior year. Genius movie. So, on the off chance, Holly Hunter, that you hear this, thank you so much for being the voice of Elastigirl. We appreciate I, your skills. We, we really, yeah, not to, to skip over anything, that was an incredible for performance that has so many layers of nuance. I, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Just Excellent such a great job. job of playing like the typical suburb mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'll have you pick a number between one and four. Three. All right. I need you to say something nice about V for Vendetta. Oh, something nice. Hugo Weaving has a nice voice. One of the only movies that I agree with our guest sucks. I, I, <laughs> I say so. Okay, Brendan, Hugo, no, you Weaving, say something nice. Hugo Weaving has a nice voice. That was something nice. It was something nice. And Elrond. Yeah. 
I like the way the knife goes through the air in slow motion. Okay, yeah, that one knife scene was really cool. I just wish it didn't take, like, two hours to get there. You know, whoever set up the dominoes in that movie earned that paycheck. There's some pretty explosions. There are. And hey, think about it this way. Anonymous would never have had the idea to go Guy Fox route for their mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah, not great. Oh, man, we all just... I mean, comics I changed better. my mind. This movie's great. You changed your mind? The comic I is... I changed it. Look, think, look at all the nice things we just said. How could I not like it now? <laughs> Perfection. Uh, well, Seth, tell us uh, what kind of media are you consuming these days? What shows, movies, video games, uh, audiobooks, podcasts? What are you enjoying right now that you think our listeners should know about? Wow. Other than your book, which is wonderful and lovely. Thanks. Yeah. I, I submitted that to a competition Ooh. under your... Uh, watchful guidance yeah well yeah recommendation uh, thank you sir well if anyone's interested seth does have a children's book on amazon that you can uh, check out and buy if you enjoy it yeah it's uh that one is uh based off the fact that my my four-year-old son lost a penguin stuffed animal and so for about three months straight all he wanted for christmas was his penguin stuffed animal back and so i decided for to include with it, I wrote a, a little children's book, and I e-published it on Kindle. Yeah, so if you're interested in that, folks, oh. you got to check it out. Yeah, um, it's called uh, Blue Penguin Pango, A Christmas Adventure. <laughs> what a lovely title. Thanks. Uh, but what are you enjoying right now? Um, uh, yes. Whew, what am I enjoying right now? So uh, I am playing way too much Animal Crossing. Mm. Like I, this I, is the way. Yeah, this is the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved the Mandalorian. That was great. Mm -hmm. My wife loved the Mandalorian. Ooh. She hates all things sci-fi. She oh, did hold on, not hold like on. Has any your wife of the Star Wars? Go ahead. Have you, well, so that my question is: Has your wife seen the Last Jedi? Because that's a really good one. Oh my gosh, you guys, we love the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Sorry, no, we, we mentioned The Last Jedi in every podcast. We it's have a thing to. we do. Can to carry on. Ah, sarcasm. I get it. Uh, no, 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 it's no. a damn near perfect movie. I love The Last Jedi. <laughs> to its core. Okay, like, wait, with wait, no wait. sense of irony. <laughs> this is like our ninth this isn't, episode. This isn't sarcasm? I love Ryan Johnson. No, we're not, not going to rip it because this is gush and we're happy people here. Okay. But, uh, We're going to yeah. gush on The Last Jedi one of these days. That l what, w w As a special anniversary episode of some kind, we should do The Last Jedi together. That's a good idea. But Animal Crossing, Mandalorian, your wife actually enjoyed it, but she hates all things sci-fi. Yeah. Um, Any books? I am just got lost with you guys saying you actually like Last Jedi. Oh, Lost is so um, good, too. Lost is really good. <laughs> lost is good. Yeah, lost is good. Yeah. Um, I am not watching Lost right now. Um trying to think of what else I've been consuming media-wise. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, not not a ton. Just Animal uh, Crossing. Well, Animal Crossing, I, I go back and forth uh, with some other games, too. Okay, are you watching anything with your kids? Any oh, shows yeah. Because like, Brendan loves Hilda? Hilda's great. Oh, I've heard good things about Hilda. Um, I we we were we actually just finished season one of the Pokemon anime. Oh, yeah, Kanto region. Yeah, yeah. They're nice. moving on to the Orange Islands. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we were watching that. Uh, 
they've been loving that. Good. Yeah. And yeah, Ash is kind of a jerk in season one. He, he's, oh yeah. He's kind of a jerk. Oh yeah. Yeah. Too sure. Me and my buddy have a long developed uh, fan theory about starting with season one. You've seen uh, Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already know where we you're believe going. Ash is actually undergoing a Shutter Island where he's in a <laughs> in a therapy situation and everybody's there just to protect him and keep him moving through his. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's always in the Indigo League. He's the kid who's like, look at this strong, powerful kid who got to the the Elite Four. Oh it's, uh, so make he doesn't feel get good. to the Elite the Four. Threats never he matter. Loses. He's not good at anything. Well, he never learns a lesson. Top sixteen. No, actually. <laughs> the, Watching it again, he he loses. Like he he doesn't get to the Indigo League. And well, they, they have, do it for character development. Yeah, they have a multiple he's, episodes deal with the fact he, like he's depressed because he lost. So Nick, what are you listening to, watching, viewing? Uh, at the moment, I've been playing. Uh, I just got the Bioshock trilogy on the Switch, and I got it Ooh. at the exact same time that you guys were giving me garbage for never playing Final Fantasy VIII. So now I am. Five hours into Final Fantasy VIII. I haven't even got to the Timber mission because you guys got me so into Triple Triad. I'm just playing everybody in Triple Triad. I'm trying to win cards. I'm trying to get the the Cypher card from Sid, but he always plays in the top left-hand corner. So I'm, I'm just... I'm playing a ton of Final Fantasy VIII right now. Um, we got to the first two episodes of Queen's Gambit, which so far I'm like, I don't get the hype. Um, despite the fact that everyone's like, it's the greatest show Netflix had last year. I'm just like, I don't know. She's kind of a Mary Sue, but we won't get into that. Um, and I'll have a better judgment once I finish the series. Uh, and as far as things that I'm reading, uh, still working my way through the two towers. And then there's a star Wars book called the last command, which is the third book in the kind of the Thrawn trilogy ish. So that's where I'm at. What about you, Brennan? Well, my wife actually for Christmas bought me the first book in the new Thrawn trilogy. I haven't read it yet. Oh, um, I I recently read Mexican Gothic, another Christmas present. Really enjoyed it. Kind of H.P. Lovecraft in nineteen fifties Mexico. Oh, um, I've been watching on HBO Max. We got that for Wonder Woman, so we were watching. Um, I've been watching Raised by Wolves, which I think is extremely interesting. Maybe juvenile. I don't know where it's going to go. It could be a great. It could be dumb. I'm really on the line between where it's going to end, but I'm having a great time getting there. Good. Um, let's see. Reading a lot. I've I uh, reading the the Hellboy spinoff BPRD. I'm I'm getting through the last arc of that series before it wraps up. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of long and short of it. Well, fantastic. Well, this has been yet another excellent episode of Cinema Gush. Seth, thank you so much for gushing about The Incredibles. Oh, my pleasure. It was incredible. incredible. Oh, incredible. my God. Oh, my God. So, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you in the next one. Uh, bye.